As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. If you got one of these, open it up to Psalm 19. Open your Bibles to Psalm 19. If you don't have one, you grab one from a seat back nearest you, go to the table of contents and find Psalm 19. Pick up your phone, whatever you want to do. I want to get you to Psalm 19 because we're starting a new series. It's entitled Summer in the Psalms. Could we not be more clear and precise? Where are we heading this summer? We're heading to the Psalms. That's what we're going to do. And each week, we're going to be opening to a different psalm, possibly even a grouping of psalms. And what we're going to do is we're going to teach from that psalm. My hope is that you'll join me. One of my favorite things to do in the summer is to read through the psalms. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that, but I'd love for you to join us to read through the psalms this summer. And we're going to give you a tool to help you do that by the end of the message. I've asked all of our pastors to pick their favorite psalm. And so we got a whole grouping of them. And some of the guys you'll hear from, they're teaching them. Um, we're doing this series at all of our locations. I'm opening it up with Psalm 19 because it's one of my favorites. Title of message is My Game Changer. And this psalm has been a game changer for me because it helps me understand this book. And so it's going to give several reasons, five verses we're going to look at, and it gives several reasons why this book is a game changer in my life. And I know it's been a game changer in many of your lives too. I want to welcome all those joining us online. Good to have you here with us. Can we praise God for those here in the house? Come on, let's go. Summer is here. We're going to walk through the book of Psalms together. I want to Go old school as we start. Everybody up for that? I love when you say yeah and you don't know what I'm going to say. So whether you're at home or you're here in the house, if you're able, stand with me for the reading of God's word. Sound good? And so get over to Psalm 19. Let's read God's word together. It says the, in verse 7, that's where I'll start. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord, tr it's true, they are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that it contains. And as we start this new series, may you speak to us through the Psalms. The Psalms are interesting, Lord, as it gives the real and the raw, as you hear from people like us crying out to you. And I just pray you would feed us, that you would grow us. And Lord, for those who have a great appreciation for this book, may they be encouraged. But God, for those that are trying to figure it out and are wondering if it's reliable and if it's relatable, may you use this series, even this message, to communicate your heart to them about this book and the place that it can have in our hearts. I trust you to do it. And I ask you in Jesus' name. 
If you agree with that prayer, say amen. amen. Okay, stay standing. I'm going to do the rest of the message like this. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead and sit down. You guys are painfully like, oh no, is he serious? I'm not joking around. I mean, I ha- why do I have to stand and you get to sit? All right, we're all kidding around here, but seriously, this is a huge message for me because the Bible, I often have said this over the years, when it comes to the Bible, I want nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Did you hear me? When it comes to the Bible, I've been convinced, nothing more, nothing else, nothing less. And this is the psalm that has helped me with that banner over my life. And I want to stress again, maybe you're not there yet, but that's okay. I wasn't. This psalm helped me to get to that place. A couple things right off the bat. This book has been written across three continents, 1,500 years, with over 40 authors from various lifestyles and various from kings to servants to shepherds. I mean, it's amazing the collection that we have. Theologians, they tell us that it's inspired. Theologians tell us it's inerrant, two important doctrines, inerrancy. That means in its original manuscript, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. We don't have an original manuscript, but in its original manuscript, what that means is it's without error. The only errors that are here are because they didn't have printing presses back then, and so scribes would dedicate their life to writing every word. That would be what they did for their whole life. And the great accuracy that we have as they recorded the scriptures, there could be a few minor errors of what? Of different things that got misconstrued or not translated properly, but there's nothing, I repeat, nothing in the manuscript that you have that questions salvation or doctrine or things of nature for life and godliness. So it's reliable. It's trustworthy. Give me a head nod if you know what I'm talking about. It's inerrant. We believe in that. And in the Bible, it's inspired. That means that human authors, yes, they got a pen and wrote it down, so to speak, but but it was from God. It's God-breathed, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And so it came directly from God. That's how we got this book, the Bible. Nothing less, nothing more, nothing else. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you. If you're a note-taker, write down the first reason. The Bible is my game-changer because it revives my soul. And you could have written this message for yourself because each of the points, this is what I love when messages are like this. You see it right here. It says in verse seven, it revives the soul. There it is. That's why it's a game changer. It says the law of the Lord is perfect. Now the law, let's have understanding that when this is written, it's David's writing this and he's writing the law is referencing the first five books of the Old Testament, what you have in your hand. For us, though, it includes the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're talking about the Bible. We're talking about what? That was being written, and it has been completed for us. It says the law of the Lord is, what's the word you tell me? Perfect. Everybody's looking for perfection. People want the perfect job. People want the perfect house. Oh, yes, you do. 
you're watching the Home Network channel and you're figuring everything out and everything's perfect and we want the perfect house, we want the perfect job. People are looking for the perfect spouse. I happen to have found it, her. Yes, she is. Honey, you are perfect. Yes, it is. So, man, I'm sorry. There's no, the search is over. Wait a minute, that sounds weird. Hold on. I, this is a good time for you to turn to your spouse if they happen to be with you in the ship and say, honey, you're perfect. Men, please do it. Please, you're, you're just, do it with a little heart. But seriously, people are looking for perfection. They're looking for the perfect relationship, the perfect friend. I mean, we're all looking for perfection. People are looking for the perfect church. And nobody said amen. You can't say it now. People are looking for the perfect pastor. Amen. <laughs> that was so forced, it's ridiculous. Pastor Craig, he could be the perfect pastor. Pastor AJ and I, we are not. We're going to be honest. But there is no perfection when it comes to church. There is perfect, no perfection when it comes to a pastor. There is no perfection when it comes to your spouse. Hate to burst your bubble because we're all cut from the same cloth. There's no perfect church because there's no perfect people. And Genesis chapter three says sin entered the world and we're doing our best, but our best ain't good enough without the Lord. And so the only thing that's perfect is the book. And, and what does it do? It revives the soul. If we double-click on soul, that's the immaterial part of your being. That's the part of you that lives forever. That's what separates you or differentiates you from your dog Spot. Animals won't live forever. Sorry, I hate to say this, but there's no animals in heaven. I know you hate me right now because the soul is what lives forever. Now, I have done some study and I believe that there's dogs in heaven but not cats. So dogs have souls. I'm confident that cats do not. But as we laugh, and I know, I don't know all of that and it's not all clear, but I'm just telling you, you're not an animal. You separate yourself from the, you are not an animal because you have a living soul. And this book breathes life into it. Not the book in itself, but the God the book reveals. Breathes life into our very being. That's why it's critical. That's why it's important. Pastor Todd, he um, uh, is our creative pastor and he runs all our worship ministries and we're so blessed to have him uh, here at, our, at High Point. He's actually leading um, worship at a church on the north side of the city uh, this morning. And uh, we were out of town last week. A few of us were, were together. And Todd and I got in this conversation with this lady who we didn't know. She's an older later lady. And then she asked, she goes, and, and I just hate when this happens right first out of the gate. Because she goes, well, what do you do for a living? And she looks right at me. And I don't want to say, I just don't like leading with it. Because then people change what they say. They, they stop using curse words, which that's good. And... and and, but, but, but I don't like to always lead with that because then they, 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 they look at me different and they treat me different. You people don't, but they do. And, and so I said, and I often say this, I say, I'm a motivational speaker. <laughs> and thank you for that truth. And, and, then, uh, and then she goes, 
well, what do you speak about? <laughs> and so there's no way around it, and I don't skirt it, and I just said, I speak about God, and I speak about the Bible. And then she goes, oh, the Bible. She goes, oh, the Bible, that's controversial. That book is so controversial. And, and, and I, said, I said, well, it can be. And I said, when mishandled, and it has been, it can be controversial. But then I said to her, I said, do you believe in God? And she said, yes. And then I said, well, and I phrased this perfectly because some people believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus or they have thoughts about it. So I asked her specifically, just like this, I said, what are your thoughts about Jesus? And then she said this, I love Jesus. And I thought, yes. <laughs> and then I started talking and, and honestly, I trailed off. I don't, I don't even know what I said. Do you know what I wish I would have said? I wish I would have said, you know, I'm so glad that you love Jesus, but I wouldn't know about Jesus and you wouldn't know about Jesus and God if it wasn't for this book. Because this book tells us who he was and what he did. And the New Testament is a record of all the things that we know. And left to ourselves, we can create Jesus and God into our own image. This book helps us to understand who he really is. And I didn't do it. I often like to quote a um, great writer. And we'll put this quote on the screen. And I like to quote Mark Twain most of the time. This time I don't. But look what he says about the Bible. He says the Bible has noble poetry in it, some clever fables, some good morals, a wealth of obscenity, and upwards of a thousand lies. That's what Mark Twain thinks about the Bible. I've studied a little bit of his life. His opinion didn't change. Said all that to simply say this, that if we have no use for this book, and as harshly as it may sound today, if you have no use for this, then your soul is not being revived. That's verse seven. That's why it's really important. And again, there's space, like maybe you're not there yet, and maybe you don't understand, but God uses his word. Jesus is the word that came in flesh. And he uses his word to revive our souls. Second reason why it's a game changer for me is that it renews my mind. And, and so this book, it, it, it helps me to understand right from wrong. It helps me to develop a Christian worldview. You may have sent your kids to college. You may have went to a school yourself where you're getting a different perspective than a Christian worldview. This book helps define for me not a worldly perspective seen through human eyes, but a godly perspective seen through righteousness and grace. And that's what this book does. And so again, you could have written this message yourself that the Bible's my game changer because it renews my mind. And I love this phrase, it makes the wise simple. Good news for all of us who had low ACT scores and SAT scores, nobody else's hand is going up on mine. And the good news is that it makes simple people smart. That's what this book does. It, it makes simple people wise, man. I, I'm not talking about knowledge. There's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is a bunch of facts and a bunch of figures and a bunch of dates and a bunch of things and a bunch of history and all these things and 
and statistics and sports. And that, that's knowledge. But wisdom is knowledge applied. And this book gives wisdom. That's what Solomon asked for. Would you give me wisdom that I can apply the knowledge of godliness and holiness that I can become different as a result? And so this book, it, it makes simple people wise. Wise in God's eyes. The scripture says that it's all we need for godliness. This book. That's why it's so critical and so important. I remember when um, my mom was um, dying of cancer. And, um, you know, I've kind of shared some of this before, but I wrote a tribute to her. And so I would just say to anyone, to your parents, like, write a tribute. Do it now. You don't know. The clock's ticking. And so, like, for me, I picked um, four or five words that I shared about her. And so if you don't know where to start, just think of four words. So I started with hilarious. And, you know, I had the whole family gathered, and I talked about her being hilarious. And Jody always says that, you know, I get my sense of humor from my mom. I mean, she was hilarious. And, and then I wrote down adventurous. And I said, Mom, there's, there wasn't a challenge. I remember as a kid, man, there wasn't a challenge that you wouldn't do. You would go for it. And, and then I, I picked the word compassionate. Because my mom was one of those people that, do you know these kind of people? Like, they give you the shirt off the back. Like, they everything. Like, my mom, and you could call it gullible, you could call it whatever you want, but she drove by somebody in need, and they were begging on the street corner. She walked by, I mean, she rolled the wind out. She's the person that is always given the money. She had compassion. And then I wrote down, she was smart. And so I want to literally read to you what I, what I read to my mom and my family Word for word, I said, Mom, you're smart enough to know that there's more than, more than this life. And the Bible teaches that this life is like a vapor when compared to eternity. Remember, she's on her deathbed. Mom, you're smart enough to know that there's nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven. Mom, you're smart enough to understand that just as a child trusts in their earthly father to protect them, you must trust in your heavenly father to protect you even right now. And mom, you're smart enough to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins and rose again to give you new life. Smart enough to place your faith and trust in him. Mom, you were smart enough to embrace him as your Lord and Savior a year and a half ago. She was in her 60s. Mom, you have a teachable spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I love you, mom. And Jesus loves you much more, your son. My mom became smarter in her old age because she embraced the truth of this book. I'll never forget when my dad, he... um, you know, I didn't come from a Christian family. Like when I said, hey, I'm going to seminary, I'm gonna go plant a church. Like there was no party. There was like, Jesus freak, what's wrong with you? I mean, they, they didn't get it. Seven, eight years in the business world and you know, I'm gonna turn my back on that. And like, what are you, what are you doing again? And, and my dad, you know, I remember when he came out to, um, when I graduated from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School right here in Deerfield. And, and so I was, you know, getting ready to plant this church. And, and, and I remember he came to the church that I was working at in the northwest suburbs. And what was interesting was he came into my office, and my dad is a very smart, intelligent, learned man. I mean, I just, like, did you have a dad like that? He just knew the answer to everything. Like, it was almost intimidating. Anybody have a dad like that? And am I the only one? 
And, and he, I would ask him things, and like he just knew so much. This is before Google, okay? My dad was Google. I was just like, Dad, what's this? He's like, blah, 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 blah. Like, I, I mean, I was just so, he was an engineer, and, and in a lot of ways, I was intimidated. And I, even to this day, I think I should know things that. It, it, and so I'm, he comes into my office, and I don't know about you, but man, I don't care how old you are. You can't teach your parents anything. Anybody? <laughs> you can't teach them. I don't care how old you are. And uh, I'm telling my kids that now. You, you better listen to me, you know? And, but but I, I never felt like I could teach my dad anything. He comes in my office and he looks at all these books on the shelf. And he's, he says, Ronnie, he goes, have you read all these books? And I, and I could tell this was an interesting moment because I think my dad was, was realizing, and he was a humble guy. He wasn't a braggart. But I think he was realizing that I may know more about spirituality and God and church and the Bible than he did. And this was, it was, it was earth shattering. And, and I remember I said, yeah, dad, I've read all these books. I'm like, what do you think? I just got them up there for, you know? And, and then I picked up the Bible and I, I just said, you know, dad, the only thing is all these books though, these commentaries and these, uh, these novels and these lives of missionary, they all help me explain this one book. And, and this is the book. This, this has got, this is the truth. And it has everything we need for life and godliness. And it wasn't long after, my dad embraced Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And my dad and my mom became wise because of the truths that this book proclaims, because of the truths that this book reveals. I am wiser. I am smarter. I don't know where I would be without this book and the direction that is carved for my life. This book has everything we need. Nothing less, nothing more, nothing else. Another reason, good stuff? Yes. Another reason why, I mean, it's, it's a game changer, man. Well, it, it's because it rejoices my heart. And so what, what, what I love about these five verses is it just tells us what it does. This is what it's going to do. This is what it's going to do. This is what it's going to do. It's going to make you happy. If we double-click on that word rejoice. It literally means to sing. Permission to tell a corny joke or a corny saying. Permission given right here, no one else, everyone else tune out. This book makes us sing. Without this book, we'd all be singing the blues. I told you it was corny, but it's true. I mean, this book rejoices my heart. I know I don't live up to it. I, I know I can't do all of it. I know I, I try and I fail, but it reveals a loving God, a forgiving God. The grace that we have is it points to Jesus and the Messiah. Like this book, it, it rejoices my heart. And, and truth tells us this, that God's more interested in your holiness than your happiness. I'm sure you've heard that before. It's not just about happiness, it's about holiness. And this book has its objective, God's love letter to you, to make you more like him. And so let's let the book speak for itself. I'm gonna do this really quick. I've shared this before, but I wanna give you several pictures of what the Bible says about itself, starting right here in the Psalms. So the Bible is a light that guides It says that right there in Psalm 119. It's a light to my path. The Bible is a fire that refines. 
hey, if we're honest, we've got impurity in our life. We've got some chips on our shoulder that need to be bought, taken off. That, that this Bible is, God says, my word is like fire and it's gonna burn the impurity. This book, another picture, let's let it speak for itself. It's a hammer that humbles. Hey, you aren't as cool as you think you are. You're not as good. You don't have it all together. You, you don't. You think too highly of yourself. Man, the world revolves around you. No, it doesn't. This book is a hammer that humbles. If you've been on the other side of that hammer in this section, give me a hand raise. And it's good. It, it, it says, my word's like a hammer, and, and it breaks the rock into pieces. But it doesn't leave us there. It, it, it rebuilds us into the better version of ourselves. It, it takes away the pride and the self-righteousness. And, and what else about this book I love? Let's let the Bible speak for itself. Hey, enough preachers uh, saying what they think. What's the Bible say? Well, the Bible is a sword that cuts. Please commit this, get it into your holster, this verse, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. This picture is misleading because it's not like this huge dagger that you have or that's in the rock. It, it, it isn't like that. It's more like a little scalpel. That's what that word means. And, and it's like um, God is using a scalpel to surgically remove the cancer in you. This book is piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Next, the Bible is a meat that feeds. It's like a big steak, man. I mean, meat eaters, give me an Amen. And then this book, it's like, man, I'm going after this thing. And, and each week, I envision I'm almost like a chef that I'm just going to turn to a passage of scripture and I'm going to serve it on a plate and I'm going to try to cut it up so that you can take it and apply it to your life. And so maybe you're new and, and, and maybe you're joining us online, checking the church out. We love you. And we'd love for you to come join us. But, but understand something. That, that we go through books of the Bible. We're going through the Psalms. We're taking passages and they're like pieces of meat. And we're going to cut them up so that you can digest them. And, and we study through books. I, I remember when I first became a Christian and um, the pastor that led me to Christ, I asked him, I said, well, how can I get to know this book like you? I was 27 years old, 28. And I'm like, I, I want to know this book. And he said to me, he goes, I'll never forget. He goes, you, you got to go to a church like I did. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, you have to go to a church that uh, has expository preaching. What? Expository what? And, and, and then he explains to me, you, know, you turn to a passage or a book of the Bible and you let the Bible speak for itself and you apply it applicationally to your life. And, and so that's what we do here. And so whether it's children's ministry or student ministry or young adult ministry or our adult or this morning, like we want to open up to God's word and we want to let it speak and we want to we want to direct you to the Bible so that you can learn and grow yourself. Amen. That's what we like to do. And as a matter of fact, I've been studying over the last three to four weeks um, the book of Galatians and I've literally been outlining it. And, and I'm thinking that that's where God's leading us for the fall, is that I'm thinking in September, October, November, that we're going to spend you know, nine weeks, 10 weeks in the book of Galatians. Good idea? 
I want to talk, talk about guilt-free Christianity and the nine steps to freedom in Christ. And so you say, whoa, you guys are planners, huh? Yeah, we are. We're just asking the Lord to lead us. So let's have some confirmation. Anybody think Galatians is a good idea? Let me, let me get a hand raised. We'll do a vote first time. This is what we're doing. We're voting on what we're doing in September. Everybody up for Galatians? Say hey. Anybody who not want to study Galatians? Say nay. Just want to make sure. If you're wanting to say nay and you don't want to, you might not want to come in September. Kidding. But, but we're going to go through the book and, because it's a meat that feeds. And, and how about this? A couple more pictures. The Bible's a mirror that reflects. In James chapter 1, it's this idea that it shows you. If I'm looking into a mirror, it shows me who I really am. And, and the Bible is what? It's, it's next it's a seed that grows in 1 Peter 1, and it finishes off in 1 Peter chapter 2. gives us another picture of the Bible. It's not just an imperishable seed. It's a milk that nourishes. And again, let me get back to that. You're like, oh, meat. I don't know if I can handle meat. I'm not sure if I bought this book, and it, it's so hard to understand. It, it's like milk. And so we've got to be careful that maybe you're not where you want to be yet. But I'm telling you, man, you, you can get there. The Bible, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Like, like it will help you. It will grow you spiritually. And, and so these are the pictures that the Bible gives of itself. That's what the Bible says. Let me ask you this question between you and God in the quietness of your heart. What do you really think about this book? And I'm telling you, it's reliable. It, it's trustworthy. It's relevant, man. Hey, you went to a church where it wasn't relevant? You went to the wrong place, man. It, this is extremely relevant to our lives today. And this is the source. I, you say, well, I'm just not there. Right? That's okay. But I gotta tell you, if you're sitting in here and you are there with the scriptures like me, I love what Billy Graham said. And he said it this way. He said that, you know what? A lot, many people won't read the Bible, but you will be the only Bible they read. Did you hear me? That you'll be the Bible that people read by what you say, what you do, how you respond. That you may be the only Bible that people see. And so God, help us that we would be representative of your grace and of your truth and that we would be living according to your word and that we could model what it looks like to be a true, genuine follower of you. I, I ask in Jesus' name. More reasons why this book, it, it's, it's a life changer, man. It's a game changer for me. It enlightens my eyes. And so how many have had that experience? Maybe you've had it recently um, where you go to the eye doctor, the optometrist, and they put that contraption. You know what I'm talking about? They put that thing on your head and they look, look through this thing and, and you're supposed to, anybody been there? And, and you're supposed to read the letters, you know, and, and then they, they flip it, you know, it's this heavy sound, and it's like, better or worse? And you're like, oh, worse. Better or worse? Better. Better or worse? Better. Better or worse? Oh, worse. Better. Like, they do it like 10 times. Are you telling me the technology hasn't forbidden this? It seems like a prehistoric machine. I'm like, we got nothing better than this? And, and but seriously, like, it, they're trying to get you to see 2020. And so that you can see clearly. And, and the Bible makes things better. Spiritually thinking, it's not worse. The Bible helps us to see spiritually. It enlightens the eyes. 
It removes the scales. It helps us to develop a Christian worldview. My favorite class when I was in high school, um, you'll find this funny. My favorite class was American history. That's not the funny part. I liked American history, studying the presidents, studying the wars, all that kind of stuff, because my basketball coach was the teacher. And he used to let me fall asleep in the back. <laughs> and I never got in trouble for it. And, and so I, I've always liked history, and so I've always kind of been fascinated with presidents and what they thought and what they said. And, and so I did a little research this week about what presidents have said about the Bible. It's interesting how things change. And let's look at what Abe Lincoln said about the Bible. He said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. He, he said, all the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. But for it, we could not know right from wrong. That's the guy that was leading us through some turbulent times. What was guiding him? It's the book, man. And how about this next one? Franklin Roosevelt, he said, we cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of the republic. Where we've been the truest and most consistent in obeying its precept, we have attained the greatest measure of contentment and prosperity. How about this next one? Dwight Eisenhower. The spirit of man is more important than mere physical strength and the spiritual fiber of a nation than its wealth. The Bible is endorsed by the ages. Our civilization is built upon its word. In no other book is there such a collection of inspired wisdom, reality, and hope. How about this last one? Inside the Bible's pages lie the answers to all the problems that mankind has ever known. I hope Americans will read and study the Bible. So that's what they say. What do you say? What do you say about this book? I mean, for me, it, it, it's a game changer. And, and this psalm, it, it helps me to understand couple more reasons. We're kind of rounding third and sliding into homes quickly here. But the Bible's a game changer in Psalm 19 because of what it does. And, and look with me at what it does. It, it feeds my spirit. And so I've highlighted, look at, well, look at what the psalmist says. It's sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. I love Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. He says, delight yourself in the world. He says, he says, grab hold and delight yourself in God's word. He says, I grabbed hold of it and it became like honey to me. That's what we see here. It's, it's sweeter than the honeycomb. It, it's more to be desired than gold, precious, fine gold. It feeds my inward being. I, I got a different Bible today. I brought one that, um, this is like actually the first Bible that I ever taught from. And so it's really old, it's beat up. This thing has been all over the place. I mean, camping trips and canoe trips for junior high, senior high, young adults. I mean, this thing, it was old when it was given to me. And it's just, it's like falling apart. But, but this is the first one that I taught from. And I remember standing up in front of a group of 18 high school kids and, and opening up and I just quit my job and I was gonna, you know, and I'm, I'm teaching from this. And so the, I got done and, and Jody was there. And, and I said after, I said, well, how do you think I did? And she looked at me with her eyes and she said, boy, you just quit your job, huh? 
I said, how'd it go? And she said, well, it went good. It's, it's good. And she goes, you know, God can use anything. And God can use anything. And you know, his word, the Bible says, will never return void. I didn't have a lot of confidence there. But I'm joking. But the truth is, man, I didn't know what I was doing. Like I do now. No. But, but this book, it, it, it speaks for itself in a humble heart, the teaching of it. You to your, as a father to your children, as a mother to your kids and to neighbors and friends, as a grandparent. I, I mean, this book, man, it's, it's got everything you need. And, and so um, I, I, in this one, I, I brought this because I always, I always put this in, in, in my Bibles. It's just funny because I got all kinds of like scribblings of when the kids were young and and all this stuff. And you know, I, I felt like I just told a story about Jody that was funny, but in this Bible is a letter from her that is, is just sweet. And I wish I had time to read it um, because it would make you all cry. And I don't want to cry, so I'm not going to read it. And part of it says, you actually became something. God did something with that. And, and you can teach God's word now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but no, what it says is, I, I wrote this in here and I write it in every Bible. Lord, this is my prayer. Lord, open this book to me and open my heart to it. And it's just a simple prayer. Lord, open this book to me. But I think sometimes we're, you know, open my heart to what it says. And, and so this is what we want to do. I'm, I'm going to ask the ushers to pass this out right now. We're going to go for it. I want you to read through the Psalms. And so if you're uh, checking us out online, you can get this, I think, on our app or somewhere there. You could um, ask on the, in the Q thing, and they'll, uh, it's on the app. It's somewhere searchable online. Um, just go ahead and pass these out. This is, um, I'm asking that we would read through the Psalms this summer. So um, it's a 60-day plan that you can read through the Psalms. And so it's old school, you know, check it off. And sometimes it's easy to put it in your Bible. And please don't take one if you're going to not do it. I don't want to see them in the parking lot, okay? Um, but I am looking at who takes them and who doesn't right now and judging you for it. No, I'm just kidding. But, but, but it's a great opportunity. Maybe you have a plan going already, but but that you'd read through the Psalms this summer. And again, the Psalms are a great place to turn because you just, you know, it's the real and the raw. And maybe you're going through some difficulty. And, you know, the way David cries out, and we're going to turn to Psalm 51 in this series. We're going to look at a bunch of different Psalms. So read with the Psalms, uh, through the Psalms with us. And then let me give you a couple pointers. Um, I would actually write these right in your Bible. I've done this in, in my Bible is here's some questions that you can ask when reading the Bible. And so sometimes I think we make it more complicated than it has to be. And so as you're reading through a passage of scripture, ask yourself one of these questions. Is there a sin to confess? I mean, the Bible is clear. It makes things clear. Secondly, is there a promise to claim for healing, for hope? I mean, these stories are true. Third thing is this, is there an example to follow? The Apostle Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. How about this, is, is there an action to obey? Obedience brings blessing. And then fifth, these are just good questions. Is there a knowledge to grow in? Is there wisdom to gain? Like these are just helpful things for you as you read through God's word. And again, maybe you're helping someone else to, to, to get the most out of God's word. So last reason why the Bible is my game changer, I'm going to ask our worship team to come forward. And um, I'm going to thank, uh, let's thank Zach for joining us, guest worship leader today. Zach's from Atlanta. And uh, 
Jody and I have had the privilege of being at his church. A good friend of mine started the church there, and we're so thankful that he could be with us here um, in, uh, in June. And we're going to invite you back, since you're from Atlanta, in January or February, so you can endure what we have to endure. And um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to you in the snow. But um, in all seriousness, um, the last thing is this. And they're going to lead us in a moment, but I'm going to ask you to do something. And so, so the last thing is that it, it transforms my life. That's what the, the Bible can do. And, and I love this picture. It says, in keeping them, in keeping the precepts, in keeping the commandments, in keeping the statutes and the truth, it says there's great reward. So, so this is a promise from God. There's reward in doing what the book says, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard. How many people would give me a round of applause for I did the hard thing that God's word said and God blessed me for it? Come on, have you, have you done that? I mean, that, it's true. And, and so I've spent time talking about what the Bible does for us, like what's in it for me. And that's not always bad to ask that question. Sometimes we think in the church, no, I shouldn't do that. Well, that's what this is doing. And so what's in it for me? It revives my soul. What's in it for me? It, it makes me smart. What's in it for me? It rejoices my heart when I, when I have no rejoice left. It, it enlightens my eyes. That, that's what the Bible does for me. But, but let's take a moment. I'll just put it on the screen. Psalm 19. This is what we kind of glossed over. And this is what the Bible is. And so just grab hold of this for a moment. It, it's perfect. This is perfection. It, it's sure. You can bet on it. Gamble. This is a sure thing. It's right in a wrong world. It, it's It's pure unadulterated truth from God. It, it's clean. It's true. It's righteous. And so now I'm just going to ask you to flip in your Bibles, whether it's your phone or a hardcover, to Psalm 1. And I've learned that to get started, you just got to go for it. So let's choose church today. Start in Psalm 1. I'm asking you to read the psalm now and read Psalm 1. And, and then you've got 149 left, so you start it. If you're really an overachiever and a fast reader, read Psalm 2, and then you can check off day one. I'm kidding. Let Psalm 1 just penetrate your heart. And remember, I always teach three Ds. There's the discipline that I got to, sometimes I got to make myself do it. I'm making you do it right now, sorry. But then becomes the desire. And, and then becomes the delight. So this month, over the next eight weeks, let's pray for discipline, desire, and delight in our church as we read his word together. And so read it now, the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. 